and welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Michael. Grossman. Hi. I realized that. I'm here co-hosting. So for those of you who are not watching live, Ben is currently watching Star Wars, and that's why I'm here instead of him. So we're both a little jealous, but uh, you guys are going to get a great show from us. And honestly, I feel like you have a perspective as far as the three hosts that do this on today's subject matter that's probably better than Ben's. Somewhat, yeah. So, suck it, Ben. I mean, Nerd everybody's opinion matters Star here, Wars. right? I mean, we'll get into it once we talk about the topic, but this is a topic that really affects nearly every type of Magic player, right? Yeah. It's like any Magic player who strives to play outside of their LGS, right? And so I think that, like, Ben would have a unique perspective compared to the two of us based on the way that he likes to sure. enjoy Magic. yeah, but... yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so, so people don't know, today we're talking about kind of what's been happening with paper tournament play, where SEG and Channel Fireball and Wizards and uh, uh, up to and onwards, even maybe Cascade Games or whoever does the stuff. Who does the Gen Con tournament series? They, I believe they did um, Chicago Command Fest. Yes. So they used to run a lot of tournaments. They are pastimes. Pastimes. And pastimes. So like there's a bunch of different TOs out there and... Wizards is also doing this whole focus on digital. So there's definitely a really interesting conversation on like what is the future of all this that we're going to get into. Other things we are doing Twitch streams. So the, there's a new content release schedule. Uh, every week we release a hot take every Monday live stream that you're currently watching. If you're watching this right now on every Tuesday at one, the audio episode comes out every Wednesday uh, on podcast apps near you. Thursdays, we release the actual episode edited with card art and special effects and editing and fun stuff. We also will release um, the live stream uh, gets unlisted. But if you are a patron, you get access to it uh, on Tuesday. So you get all of this unfiltered, unedited content with all of the jokes that we think are bad. So we don't want them in the regular video. Or like segments that we cut to become a hot take now or future or... The pre-show where we get all the mics working, but we also are talking and making jokes. and Yeah, so you get all of that content on Patreon.com. And then over the weekend, we start streaming. So I, I started a streaming channel on, on Twitch. Uh, that is at uh, it's twitch.tv slash Kesco. Uh, twitch.tv slash the MMCast is where we Twitch stream this live. But also, if you're a YouTube subscriber, YouTube there. For all the people YouTube subscribing or watching right now, hit the like button. It makes all of these things do that much better. I want to talk about there was Pioneer Bannings. Yep. And also an announcement in regards to how bannings are going to happen. They've, yep. they've gained flash. People can cast, the wizards can just cast them at any time they want, just pulling the trigger. Uh, they during, have to have priority. And apparently sure. they only have priorities on priority on Mondays. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's when priority is passed to wizards. <laughs> so basically the announcement was that, you know, for the last, my whole life, uh, wizards or magic's whole life, at least wizards has banned cards on very specific dates that are set in a schedule throughout the year. There have only been three emergency, four emergency bannings. Yeah. For most of magic's history, they would do it, uh, right after, set came out they would ban maybe some older cards mm -hmm. then they they the pro tour would be like right after that so the set would come out they do some bannings pro tour then uh recently they did the pro tour went farther out and a lot of times after the pro tour they would want to ban something right away because it was like right in between set releases um like kind of even 
distribution right. between well, set releases. So they would do like set release, ban, pro tour, ban, and the next set release, ban. Yeah. And, and part of that was that they realized that the pro tour is the best tool that they had available to them to break the format. Right. Um, Especially when there's even more time after a set release for like everything to shake out. Because it's interesting, like a lot of the time you see you know pro like a weird pro tour deck that like breaks out and is really good Mm -hmm. and then like everybody just figures out how to beat it and it's not actually broken but something else might be broken so (laughs) and and, and like a good example is like eldrazi winter right where they and that's i think actually what caused this change is that eldrazi there was a banning before before what happened which i think is the one that they banned getaxian probe and something else um and then pro tour happens eldrazi is the best deck in the room um and then the next Ban the announcement wasn't until the following set. So they right. had an entire season where they just couldn't do anything. And it right. ended up becoming like 90%. I think it was 60% right. and of it was the format. Because the Pro Tour was like right after the set came out that they like printed. That was when this big, yeah, that was when this big deck broke out. And they had to wait until all the way until the next set release to, to make a ban. So which was Shadows of Ranistrad? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like a, a you know an example of a deck from that era also was like Teamer Emerge. There were like three copies in the top eight or something, and it won the tournament. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of was saw no play after the Pro right. Tour. Everybody just figured out how to beat it. Now Emrakul still had to get banned, but Teamer Emerge wasn't the yeah. best shell for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that standard, was Eldritch Moon standard. And standard ob- normally has less bannings until very recently. And part of that is just that because new sets come out and it's such a smart card pool, those cards have such a significant effect on the format that normally it rotates what's powerful pretty regularly. Yeah. And even with Pro Tours especially, like what's good for that Pro Tour it has more of a chance of being like a dark horse that just no one was expecting than in Modern where it's more of a this deck now exists and is powerful enough to do these things. It's probably good enough. Yeah. Um, and, but wizards has now been in a situation for the last kind of six weeks that they, with pioneer, they've been trying out what happens if you ban a card every week. (laughs) Uh, and then on top of that with the, they've had to do an emergency ban, right? The, with between like multiple times this year, there were moments that like an emergency ban would have been something that kind of was called for that either didn't happen or should have happened. And that was with, yeah, there were like two standard big standard tournaments in a row. There was like the there was like a traditional Mythic Championship and then an Arena Mythic Championship, mm-hmm. I think, with no ban window in between them. Because Mythic Championships kind of like screwed up the whole ban schedule because they weren't happening like on a They're four not- per year tied to a set release schedule. And so like we had two tournaments, two of basically pro tour level tournaments where Oko was legal. Um, and it kind of was really lame. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what they're doing now is any Monday, uh, they can make a ban. Yeah. And that for, and, and they have said that they will announce leading up to those moments that, which is what they did with thinking Oko. about they it. Like, Hey, we're going to make a ban and restricted announcement on this date. Everyone mark your calendar. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> not going to tell you what it is. <laughs> Wink. Um, and, and so that's kind of what we're looking at. And I think that's, I honestly, I think it's a great idea. I think in general, it makes it so like, yes, there's going to be situations where people have a deck ready to go. They're going to jam this deck in the GP. They practice with it. And then the card gets banned right before that weekend right. and they get wrecked. But I would argue the amount of people that that happens to is going to be less problematic than the tournament attendance during these lame duck formats where like for instance we all knew hogak was going to be banned and there was right. an entire modern 
GP, GP Vegas happened with Hogak getting banned Monday, but there was a modern GP during that weekend. And everyone was just like, well, I guess I'm playing Hogak. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the things they said in their announcement was that like one of the reasons they wanted to do this is because they were concerned about that feature where like you spend a bunch of money on a deck, you play in a tournament or you're about to play in a tournament. You're like testing the weekend before. And then the Monday before the tournament, your deck gets banned. And now like maybe you have to like cancel flights and, you know, or build a new deck, but that's expensive or like borrow cards and play something you're not familiar with. And it's just a really bad experience in general. But they were saying that, um, yes, that is something that's probably going to happen and it's going to suck. But they were noticing the attendance on formats right before a ban was awful. Like right before they banned Hogak and Modern, Modern tournaments were very poorly attended. And right before they made Standard bans, Standard tournaments were really poor attended. Right. Like right before the Golos and or the Field of the Dead ban, Standard tournaments were poorly attended. And then attendance went up after the ban. Mm-hmm. And then same with Oko. So... You know, now I think like bands are happening consistently enough that we're still kind of seeing a dip in standard attendance. Right. But also like the holidays and everything. So Oklahoma City last weekend was very low. We'll see how Portland does uh, this weekend and Ben will be there. Yeah. And that and that kind of segues, I guess the main the, the, the last piece before we segue into tournaments in general is what was banned. Right. So they banned Oko and Pioneer and they yep. banned uh, Nexus, of Fate. Nexus of Fate. And my hot take tweet in regards to it was basically like. I feel like the entire world was under the consideration that both of these cards were mistakes to print in the first place in general. Like Oko, obviously mistakes to print doesn't mean that they shouldn't have done it. It's good that they're testing power levels. It's cool that they try and do new and different things. But like Nexus of Fate was on the the edge of being banned through its entire run in standard and Oko. And to be totally honest, if if it was in this version of standard that we're in now, I think it might have even been banned a little bit more thoroughly than it was. And Oko is being banned in every format. They probably are going to ban it in modern. It was like 60% of the field <laughs> at the last SCG event. I can imagine it eventually going away. And the question is, when do they want to ban modern cards? But um, yeah, I think both of these are cards that like aren't surprising to be gone out of Pioneer. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I don't think anybody's really surprised. Nexus, I think, was the best deck. And it's like very difficult to interact with mm-hmm. unless you like have counter spells. And even then they just have so much mana that your counter spells are not that effective. And, and, and to be honest, I think Nexus of Fate, what's one interesting thing about pioneer bands is that historic is this weird bastardized format that exists on arena. So right now Nexus of Fate is legal in arena in historic and kind they of, they didn't suspend it. No, I believe it's just legal there. No, I might you don't get wrong. to play with Dig Through Time, so it is the the Nexus deck is worse in, I in think, Historic. I think, but but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. that when Historic came out, every card that had been banned in Standard should have just been banned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I get that maybe they're trying to do a little bit of a pioneer thing with it, but it's so 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 similar to Standard that it was just like so obvious that Nexus of Fate, Golos with Field of the Dead, Oko Food were just going to be like the best decks by such a wide margin because those were all like ban-worthy decks in Standard, and this is like Standard plus like two sets. Right, and it's not like those cards are like in different colors. Like I could understand if like last year the best deck was black-red, and this year it's blue-green, but they're all just like green-based ramp decks. (laughs) Oko was suspended in Historic, so they made like this suspended announcement. Yeah, yeah. it was was Nexus of Fate hasn't been suspended is the thing. Um, I would imagine it's going to be thank uh, you duress on youtube for letting reminding us but yeah so that's that's kind of what happened i i don't think anyone's surprised Were yeah surprised yeah i mean like so one thing 
because Wizards is banning everything so often, people are like just kind of getting used to things getting banned. And one like consequence of that is like when a f- deck is kind of like the best deck in the format, everybody is like, well, when is it getting banned? Right. Yes. And like the kind of natural metagaming that typically happens in Magic, where it's like, oh, well, like Mono Red with Hazard is the best deck. How do we beat it? Oh, we got to play, you know, Vraska's Contempt to mm-hmm. beat it. Now I'm playing Blue by Control with four of these. And then, you know, maybe that deck gets beaten by a different, you know, whatever. And so, um, and so uh, to answer T-Wisher on YouTube, uh, who says, I wish they would just ban stuff like Hogak Oko as soon as possible when they're oppressive every month with cards that are obviously not going to stay as too much. So like Hogak and Oak, Hogak in particular, I think it was like pretty obvious right away. And that probably would have been subject to one of these bans like we're like right. they're going to do now where like just on a happens. random Monday, they're going to get rid of Hogak. But something like Oko, like it is oppressive and, you know, Obviously, having a plus one that like blanks your opponent's cards is lame, and having food to extend the game is also lame, especially when con- in conjunction with the other thing. But I don't think that Oko was like extremely obviously needs to get banned in every format right away. It became pretty obvious in standard kind of quickly, but not really until Golos got banned, right? Or Field of the Dead got banned, and then and then it was like pretty obvious after that. Mm-hmm. But they were kind of tied up by their ban windows at right. that point, and then. Um, like Oko getting banned in Pioneer, I don't think was like a foregone conclusion. I mean, this is a format where you can play Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time still. Mm-hmm. At the, it wasn't even the first card to get banned because they had to ban, um, they banned Smuggler's Copter and Once Upon a Time and Nissa and. This is not banned. Uh, not Nissa, uh, Oath of Nissa Oath of, is yeah. what I was thinking. Oko seemed like he might be fine in Pioneer. And I think it's fine to like kind of let natural metagame forces kind of act on Oko. You get to play Dreadborn in that format. You get to play other Planeswalker removal um, that doesn't necessarily care about Oko's loyalty. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, th- not to mention like the other powerful things you can do in the format, like Nexus of Fate. Right. That like n- the Nexus of Fate deck doesn't care about Oko at all. Oko is just a blank card against Nexus of Fate. And, you and, know? I, <laughs> and I would say that Nexus of Fate was more on. I think Oko is just now on everyone's list that just like it sucks to play. Against. It sucks to play against <laughs> and like they're banning it in every other format. So why do we have to deal with it in the format? It's not banned in like, you know, in modern, I think it should just be banned. I think just rip the bandaid off. Like, yeah. Yeah. I just I think that like give it a little bit of time, you know, well, they will. Yeah. I mean, the, because and they did. Yeah. I yeah. think that like they gave Oko a chance in Pioneer and we saw where that got us. Mm-hmm. They're now giving it a chance in modern and we're going to see where that gets us. But I don't think that like. I don't think you want to be too quick with the Banhammer, right? Because like they design these cards for a reason because they do think that they're like interesting. And I want to kind of let every card get a chance to get explored by the player base before you ban it. And some Agreed. cards like Hogak are just like, this isn't particularly interesting. And it just like is obviously too powerful. <laughs> I think after the second, it was the, it was the, it was a, well, whatever they were now, the uh, mythic championship and then a GP, like one after the other, yeah. it just was the entire format. That's the moment that they should have banned it. But because of the windows of how they were doing yeah. stuff, it didn't work. Um, I think that Hogak, uh, I think Nexus of Fate was the thing that everyone was kind of expecting coming into this. It was like a, a deck that was pretty oppressive. And then Oko was, both of them have problems, and I'm not sad to really see either of them go. Yeah. Um, I did buy a Nexus of Fate for 20 bucks, and now it's not that at Command Fest DC, uh, <laughs> which is not the first time that's happened to me. <laughs> so uh, speaking of Command Fest DC, yeah. how was your Command Fest DC experience? Um, Command Fest DC was awesome. Um, I, I think it's really interesting on 
a perspective of what a magic event can be at that doesn't have a magic event <laughs> uh, at it. Um, the Everyone there is really awesome. I mean, Star City Games did a really good job for how quick this was kind of put together. There's definitely things that I would like to change. For those who don't know what a Command Fest is, basically this year, Wizards has kind of made the commitment that Commander is the most played format in Magic. And what they've done is they've... In paper. In paper. Um, And what they've decided is to really start focusing on it. And the first step of that was doing the Command Zones. And the first one was at Vegas. um, And it was a huge success. And What's the Command Zone? The Command Zone is a designated area at a Magic Fest for playing Commander. And that's it. Yep. And you could pay to get a badge to play all weekend, or yep. you could get a one-day badge. It came with a foil soul ring. Yep. I think foil soul ring comes with a three-day badge, but yeah, yeah, regular yeah. soul ring comes with... It was like a... Same promo, not foiled out, is the single day. GP promo looks cool. Yep. Unique art that you can only get at Magic Fe- at Command Zones. And that, Command Fest. And Command Fest. Yeah. And it's from the original artist of soul ring, which is cute. I mean, it's a very different style. It's like a more modern Magic style, but it's still Mark Tadine. Right. <laughs> um, and it is... And so you get a badge, you get to hang out with all your friends, you get to play Commander. Because this was a response to literally Magic Fest Los Angeles. It's been interesting. I've been to like the evolution of command zones happening. Um, where in Magic Fest Los Angeles, they had, I want to say, well, I don't have a percentage, a very significant portion of the Commander content creating community, um, including Shivambot, Olivia, the Jimmy and jo- uh, Jimmy was not there because he was f- filming Mulan, but Josh was there because a, um, a lot of the people you, you're mentioning uh, are all California based. Yes. Except Olivia's in Nevada, Nevada which is California. California. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they all we were all in the food court in the LAX convention center because we kept getting kicked out of tables because there wasn't a place to play commander. And when you had that large amount of people with, a voice in the community, they let that voice be heard. And and kind of through that, Wizards realized there needs to be some kind of answer to this. And so then at Seattle, that still wasn't happening. So at Vegas was the first one, right? That was the first Vegas command zone? Vegas was the first command yeah. zone, yeah. Um, so at Vegas, they just started this whole kind of event thing where they had the designated space and was very successful. And then the next step of that was they announced Command Fest, which are basically magic fests, if everything but the command zone was pulled out. So you get the promo, you get the soul ring promo, there's a designated area, you get the badge. (laughs) So, I mean, already magic fests are a little bit of like becoming more than a tournament, right? Mm -hmm. Because you have like, you have at least one big tournament. You got a lot of times you'll have panels, at least at the big ones, the ones that have command zones. Mm -hmm. You got a command zone. Now you got artists, you got vendors. So of that stuff, what was at the command fest? I didn't go to the command fest. I'm not just like playing the straight man here. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't go. So I'm curious about what's at a command fest. Cause I've been to a bunch of magic fests and I've seen that like some of them maybe don't have panels or some of them have fewer vendors or fewer artists, or maybe they have like one panel, but you know, what was there? And, and, and there is a grain of salt with this because even talking with people that were running the event at Command Fest, these were run, they announced these within like a three month advance period. So there was a lot of rushing to make them happen. And they are kind of aware of what needs to be added. But this event had uh, kind of two main sections. There was the free play area that had big signs that were like Oathbreaker, Commander, Competitive Commander, Competitive EDH, like Brawl, like the different versions of playing Commander that are available. So you, like, say, you say free play section, but you had to pay to, for a badge to get into yeah, the event, Yeah, so, right? so the Which biggest is, difference between this and a Commander, uh, a GP is, or a Magic Fest, is you cannot enter the venue without being a paid participant of the event. 
which is different from Magic Fest. Magic Fest, you can typically walk in, you can browse vendors, you can, you know, get right. some stuff signed by artists, you can hang out with your friends at an empty table as long as you don't get kicked out mm-hmm. by judges who want to run a side event. Like, there's some stuff you can do for free. You could go to the panels for free. Right. Like, a lot of it was free. Um, um, and but so not this one, so at a Command Fest. Right. And 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 I, I think there's benefits and strengths to that. I think one, uh, sorry, benefits and strengths. Uh, I knew what you meant. Benefits and weaknesses. <laughs> I speak Alex Kessleries. Yeah, but to the listeners of this podcast, Yes, yeah, they do. I love you guys. <laughs> Thanks for yeah, dealing with me. Yeah, we're on episode me. like two hundred and twenty. We're like some, close or, to fifty. We're yeah, two forty six. So I think everybody speaks <laughs> Alex Kesslerese at this point. Um, and so the you have to pay to enter, and um, so there's free play area for all the people that want to do that. There's also events. So by entering, you get I think I, I got three tickets. I don't know what you get if you just do a day pass. It might be like an event per day, um, which are more kind of uh. Ho- not hosted, I guess. Like the tournament organizer organized the play group that you play with in your qu- your pot of commander. You play each other. You earn tickets like a normal Magic Fest uh, side event, and then you can redeem those tickets to get prizes that are cool from card sheets. To so they had side events. Was it only commander side events, yes. or could you play any other format? You couldn't play any other format. Interesting. So, in so which- what what's the structure of the of the commander side event? Do they so there's a few ways to run commander side events at GPs, and I'm interested in the way that they chose to do it. So or <laughs> this is Magic me speaking Fest. as a person who did not do any of them, so I can't attest too but strongly. You use your tickets? I, I gave them to people. Oh wow, what a guy. I, I wasn't <laughs> gonna play in them. <laughs> um, my understanding is that you you sign up, they then, once they have a full pod, will call people to then sit at a table that they designate, you play each other, and then the winner of that pod gets tickets. Winner takes all? That's savage. I think savage. it is winner takes all. So I think the best way to run it at a Magic Fest is to, you have a certain number of prize tickets, and you give them to the players, and you say, you guys can agree on how to distribute these. Okay. Uh, it has its weaknesses, because a lot of times people won't agree, or people will be afraid to speak up if they want to do a more even split, but... You know, commander can be played many ways, mm-hmm. and I do think that competitive commander appeals to some people. But I think that competitive commander does not appeal to other people, which sure. is the reason you gave your tickets away. So. And, and I, I do believe <laughs> that you they could were split evenly, right. So you would do like a d- oh, number oh, divisible oh. by four. They just they okay. distributed fifty to each player in the casual queues at the start of each round. So I do think that because there were, you could join a competitive EDH or a casual EDH designated group oh and you got a gold rush legendary creature bonus pack which i don't know what any of those words mean but it sounds cool so the gold rush competitor packs these were cool uh you get one for joining and then you get them for playing uh you get these envelopes and in that envelope is a random legendary creature okay uh and they range everywhere from pre-cons to um portal three kingdoms to uh whatever i believe actually that ian got a 70 dollar in his portal three kingdoms wow that's nice uh one it's the white one that has horsemanship wow that's pretty nice didn't get like a sir allen of the claw or something uh, i got the blinky rhino a rune of the hidden yeah realm. rune of the hidden realm uh, Ooh, somebody uh, got hazazen tamar oh that's a legends one that's what that's what ian got apparently he got hazazen tamar who is a legends legend and like many legends legends is on the reserve list and is very expensive got it there you go he's the one that makes the sand warriors on your upkeep got it i think he got both well, I don't know. I also there was the thing where all of the community people that were there got them, but didn't know what to do with them. So they put them all in the middle of a uh, like a circle and bet, and then everyone just rolled dice, and whoever had the highest roll of like eight dice got all of them. Wow! And I think I forget who won, but they 
I remember the like the dollar total was like three hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> it was actually, and all of us thought it was just like trash cards in these envelopes. At this point, we didn't realize that they were actual value, and so the. Congratulate. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> uh, there's a really good picture on Twitter right now. You can see he me just got like and it. the P3K guy and the Sliver Hive Lord. So, yeah, his three packs sound like they were all amazing. Yep. And Rune of the Hidden Realm is really a chump compared to all of those. I know. Well, that's why I thought they were trash, right? And I got like a random bulk command or I mean, pre-con. Like four bucks or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I was like, oh, okay, this is cute. You get like a cool commander. You could like build something off of this. It's like a fun thing. And then like. And then the party happens. They do that betting on the floor. I'm like, oh, no, no. They put real value in these envelopes. Um, so that was really cool um, and very magic-y. Uh, so that's what happens when you play in the regular ones. And then the other thing is all of the community members that they invited have these big signs that they get, that they get the like plant on their table. Did you get one? I did not get one. I know. Next time, maybe. <laughs> Jeremy Noel, if you're watching this, <laughs> I want a sign. Um, but basically, uh, you have a sign that says your name on it, um, and people get to hang out and sit next to you and challenge you. Um, luckily, I was generally playing with people that did have signs. I also think those signs... It's who you know, right? It's, it's not about having know. the sign. It's who you know yeah. who's got a yeah. sign. Uh, and then... So I got to play a lot of games. Um, the like Going back to kind of the point of the paid or unpaid... Yeah. feature of it uh i think it to be totally honest i've been pretty on board for a while that maybe just magic fests should have that like you can't enter without paying now that could be like 30 dollars and it comes with a free event ticket right or which this does in many ways but i think from a security perspective from a like making them feel more like a con and providing more funds to be able to do stuff with perspective. It makes sense yeah, to me. I well, mean, I, I assume that this is still ongoing because I haven't seen any news otherwise, but we've talked about it on the podcast. There are a bunch of magic artists who are boycotting magic fests. Um, like basically channel fireball has a big list of artists and every time they have a magic fest, they like send out a big email to all of them. And they're like, Hey, if you want to participate, let us know. And a lot of the magic artists are just boycotting because they feel like that's not, the way to do this you right. should pick out artists and you should invite them and they should be treated like special guests right. and they were not being treated like special guests they were paying for their space they were basically being treated like vendors but they don't go to these things to make money they make money making artwork right. right like if you're gonna invite them to your convention you should treat them like any other convention would treat them and so that's one thing that they would be able to do with funds from badges i also am in favor of of paid badges for magic fests i mean like a lot of people travel to go to them, so it's not like an extra 30 bucks is going to break the bank, especially not if it comes with some like prize tickets or event tickets or, you know, um, a command fest one day pack, command zone one day package. I mean, that's the thing is I think that you would want to sell them in like packages, right? Sure. You'd be like, here's, and they already do this, but you'd do like, here's the commander package, here's the like limited side event package, here's the main event package, mm -hmm. here's the, you know, the, I love artists package or whatever. And each of those would entitle you to certain benefits that come with your badge. And they could be different prices. Obviously main events are super pricey now, but I also think that main events would get cheaper if they did these badges right. because the, the funds just to set up the whole event, pay all the staff, pay all the judges, um, get the space that would all be subsidized by badges. And so main event prices wouldn't be like $70 for constructed. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like if you want to play in a standard or a modern GP, that's the right word, actually. Um, you <laughs> you are paying like 60 or 70 bucks most of the time and you get nothing. Right. Like if you are unlucky or you didn't sleep well the night before or whatever, and you go like two and three, you get nothing. 
for your $70, Mm -hmm. right? And that feels really bad. Like it already feels bad to lose in a GP when you paid $70 feels a lot worse. Right. And now the $70 you spent, you're going to go spend money on side events. You're going to go spend money on food, hotel, everything, right? To Mm -hmm. be at this magic fest. And it just becomes like super expensive. And you went two and three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 by doing that, you getting entry, making that cheaper, makes it so you participating in the rest of the event feels a little bit more significant, right? Yeah. Like it's not it's not just, oh, I like went to a GPA loss, I just kind of blew seventy dollars in five hours. It's like, oh no, I like did that and now I'm gonna participate in all the other things around this call and I'm gonna enjoy it more. Right. I mean, already they've kind of turned Magic Fest into magic conventions, and that's why they mm-hmm. rebranded to call them Magic Fest because they had already been magic conventions. And I think that there's a few more steps they need to take to kind of really embrace like being a convention. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about like Magic Fest becoming magic conventions is now these command fests. Right. Well, and that, so the other thing that uh, with the, because we went to the larger subject, the smaller subject matter of having to pay for it, I do think actually what's really interesting is I think this is the most family friendly magic convention esque event that exists. What do you uh, say? I and I think it could be more than, and I think they should lean into it. But because it's a casual multiplayer based format, you don't have. If I'm bringing my kid with me, I don't have a kid, but my imaginary child, uh, your niece and nephew that I know you have, sure. um, to the event, to a a big event, most of that gameplay until very recently was tournament play, and you can't really do that with a family or kids because they, unless they're playing in that same event, and unless it's like more eight pod drafts, they you'll be separated in some ways, yeah. and or you they'll just have to deal with one stranger the whole time, and or you'll play each other, which is also miserable because playing your friend in a tournament you both paid for is always a lose lose. <laughs> um, but at a command fest, you can just play with your family at the casual tables or have two tables next to each other where you're playing and then your wife and your other kid are playing or whatever. And if you and want to split up, like if you have like a, you know, if you want a little time away from your parents, you can sign up for on-demand queues. It right. sounds like you get tickets for entering. So, and, and you know, like I've been 12. I don't want to hang out with my magic playing nerd dad all day. Correct. Correct. <laughs> well, and, and, it's because it's a closed event because you can't just walk in. It is a safer event. Like yeah. just inherently you don't, people can't just walk in off the street that aren't magic people right. or whatever. Or, or, you know, people with ill intent, you know, obviously there's some barriers right. for them. Yeah. Like if I'm going to go steal something, I have to now pay a hundred dollars just for that opportunity. Right. Which means that I have to be better at stealing. <laughs> the take I have to take is much higher. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, if you're stealing, typically it's like, you're you're making the calculation of risk versus reward right. and you're risking a lot more if you have to upfront pay thirty dollars again right. in the door, right? So. Um <laughs> so so I do I do think just as, as in in general, this creates an opportunity for creating very family friendly and kid friendly events. And that kind of segues into a little bit on well, I guess final things. They did have vendors. There was an artist section. It was limited compared to like Magic Fest Vegas and it was Seattle. Last minute they put but, it together yeah, though, right? Because they only announced this like three months ago, right? right. It, it it was pretty comparable to some Magic Fests Los Angeles that I've been to where like, especially not the one in spring because that was a modern one that was much more supported. But last, a year ago, fall, there was the a Magic that was Fest like a LA. standard that nobody wanted to Correct. play. It was, it was a lame like, duck standard. It was like ener- team or energy standard. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> like, <Good times>. <laughs> <laughs> so no one was there. <laughs> yeah, I didn't play in the main event. I typically play in the main event in LA because uh, I like to play competitive Magic and 
you know, I'll borrow a deck if I have to, but I did not want to play Team Energy Standard. I just played side events. <laughs> yeah, yeah, same. Uh, well, we, we threw that was the first time we threw like a, an after party, which yeah. was really good. And I think people that was the highlight for a lot of people because there was actually nothing else going yeah. on. Oh, I should put my phone um, on silent. But that's it was it was kind of comparable to that in size. Um, yeah, and part of that is because the last minute um, they had vendors. They had like six vendors. You know, obviously SEG is a different vending experience in my experience. <laughs> than Channel Fireball ones or other ones because they are the vendor more often than not. And Channel Fireball vends at their own events. That's true. Um, I guess. Were, I guess. Were there is, fewer vendors than you would find at a Magic Fest? I don't know because got it. it. It it felt comparable. Yes, there were less than normal, but I don't know where that line is between. And again, that's like you know, vendors are planning their year pretty far in advance, right? To right. to make sure that they have budget and staff and everything else. And so, if it's a last minute event, some people might just not be interested or not want to make it, mm-hmm. especially a couple of weeks before the holidays. Um, and so that kind of also gets into what more could happen, and also some of the issues. Uh, one issue I know, and this is more after Seattle and Chicago, kind of rumors on the street is. This is not the best event for vendors. And part of that is actually something that people don't, I think, realize. Vendors don't generally go, some do, but most of them aren't going to these um, events from the perspective of selling cards. That's true. They're going to buy cards. Having been to these things as a vendor, yes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This is uh, often a Grand Prix or Magic Fest event is the main source of supply for a lot of these retailers, either online or online. at their local, if you're a local game store. And so th- commander players, apparently a don't sell cards very often or as much. I mean, you would even say that we, we talked about this earlier today that you don't have any standard bulk because you also the lack off. of the lack of draft side events matters too. Right? Yeah. I mean, like when you're running on demand chaos drafts, people are just opening like random mm-hmm. gas that you can buy. Right. It's like somebody opened a foil knowledge nor another modern masters two pack and you can snap that right up. Cause they're like, I'm never going to use this. I play standard. Right. right. Like, <laughs> and, and so there's less people selling and also the cadence of a GP doesn't exist because there's not rounds that have set times. It's like harder for the like people that are working the events because they don't have like set times where it's easier to step away from the table and like go use the bathroom or they need to be overstaffed or they need to be staffed. So that that's, that's more of like a learning lesson, right? It's just knowing how to staff correctly. People playing in these events aren't selling cards between rounds because it usually takes a while. That's something you're usually doing once you like scrub out or whatever, but but there are people, more people browsing in between rounds for sure. And a lot of times people will be browsing, they'll see something they want and they'll buy it and then they'll go to play their round. That does happen. It was more, that's more the shopping side. On the sales side, it's just that doesn't exist. The other issue is that, and this is the opposite side of the um, I'm a vendor, uh, not the the opposite side of paying entry problem is now these events are not, unless you're already just going to be there, you're not going to sell cards. Right. You're not going like there are people who go to Magic Fest for the express purpose of selling cards. They're like, I've been collecting for a long time. I know that this is a really competitive environment Mm -hmm. where I can get a lot of quotes on my collection. So I'm going to show up and I'm going to sell my collection. That's what I'm going to do because I'm selling out of Magic. But if you had to pay 30 bucks to do that, it'd be a lot less attractive. You might just sell them all online to SCG or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So, yeah, that that makes sense. And and that's also true for like buying cards as well. Like if you are just going to shop. Which basically, there's like a Magic the Gathering mall that parks at these things, right? Right? Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe literally. not at the Command Fest, but at Magic Fest there is. There's just tons of different mm-hmm. shops selling tons of different stuff. And if you just want to go to shop, 
$30 is a big barrier. Right. That's $30 on top of whatever you were going to buy. Maybe it's better to just buy online. Right. And, and, or and, at your LGS. And that comes down to like almost it's when does the shipping cost supersede $30 and how much you're going to buy. Sure. Um, but yeah. And then this, on the selling side, that's pretty easy. The other. So that's what's challenging, yeah. right? Is it's like how many people that are in that room do you lose? And then how many vendors are making less money and they mm-hmm. decide it's not worth it. So then you lose vendors and that's losing value from your event. Even right. if you're making it up in terms of like fees from people just coming to play casual commander yeah you have to like balance what that is and that's and that's specifically for vendors and some of that's learning lessons like i also know that at and it was much better at dc but for seattle and chicago so for those who don't there's been three command fest there was one the beginning of november at in on the same weekend in chicago and in uh seattle and then this was the last one of the year in dc um and And these are scheduled for next year as well right we do not have scheduled scheduled events but we know they're happening we rumors are they're happening okay um i thought that it had been announced somewhere people i talked to at the events judges i've talked to there's like we haven't figured out what the plan is yet and partially i think it's because they wanted to finish i think literally right now in whoever organizes these things offices they're having this conversation as well being like this happened what worked what didn't work what do we want to do differently even gavin ver he tweeted on Monday and a lot of what we're going to be talking about comes from this thread asking just like for people that were there, what were things that they thought? And that was very intentionally to get feedback so that they, when they have these meetings, know what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, Gavin and loves to get feedback on stuff. So Wizards does. I mean, that's kind of that's where true. Rosewater started with that's all of the social media usage is he wanted to get a better and He wanted to answer on, questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, know what people want. <laughs> um, and so there's a reason I watch, read every single comment on every video we post. Yeah. <laughs> uh, feedback is great. Comment is <laughs> something that uh, Ian did, Ian brought up uh, in the Twitch feed is also with the cadence difference, there's all benefits in the sense that instead of you can kind of lose time, like you can just like I definitely day one started a game at 11 million. Like, okay, I'll get I'll play like a few games and get lunch. And then I looked at my clock and it was 4 p.m. And I was like, oh, I haven't eaten food today. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and so because there's no event cycle, you just kind of just jam games. Yeah. And it is great not having – there was an announcer over the intercom being like, "You can. we need one more person for our four-man pod of competitive commander. But there wasn't the like – Every 30 seconds, some announcer yeah, telling you of every it. round, every single side event for every single format. And then, yeah, <laughs> which which like gets kind of into the next conversation. But that was great. Like not having that announcer just shouting at you all the time and gets me to the next point of like things that they should add. And the first one of that is something that wasn't there. And this was due to the time and schedule. But uh, what was very successful in Seattle and my and I'm semi-biased because I participated in both of these and was very successful and even maybe more successful in Vegas was content panels. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't time to have those happen. I reached out to SEG and they were like, yeah, we had like three weeks to make this happen. <laughs> Everything that's here was at the skin of our teeth. But It's interesting because like I think that one thing that's relatively unique about the Command Zone and Command Fests is like, well, not unique because this was true of Magic Fest before them. But it gives you a very easy way to hang out with content creators that you know. Mm -hmm. And so, like, at a Magic Fest pre-Command Zone, like you said, a lot of the times the content creators would be, like, playing, like, pros, obviously, or, like, more competitive-minded content creators are playing main events, and you can't talk to them very easily, right? You can be like, hey, autograph my mat. Okay, bye, see ya. And at, like, Magic Fest Vegas, for example, there was no place for casual content creators to hang out, so they were just sitting in the food court, which is, like... 
Magic you don't, Fest, LA. LA. Yeah. What did I say? Seattle. Oh, oh, LA. And like, you don't want people to be outside your convention mm-hmm. hanging out. You want them to be inside where they're more likely to sign up for side events and buy stuff from vendors and talk to artists and, you know, whatever. So, yeah. Uh, these command fests being a way to like hang out with content creators that you know means that all the content creators are there. They're like hanging out with fans. You could just put them on a stage. Yep. <laughs> and and it's successful. I mean, like Tappy has done her the name match game, the match game at both Seattle and Vegas, and like had huge crowds. We did the we did a live Masters of Modern episode in um, Seattle, Seattle, which I think you can listen to. I think that we got the recording of. Oh, that's nice. um, we didn't get the other recording. <laughs> uh, and then in Vegas, we did the trivia show, which was like maybe one of the cooler things we've ever done as a podcast. Yeah, that was really um, fun. And that doesn't exist. That's gone to the void. <laughs> um, but maybe we'll come back. Uh, like pointing at the camera. Um, so we live, you know, there's just, and, and there's other content creators, you know, me and BDM. We're talking about doing kind of like how to rank your commander deck. Because uh, that's a big kind of conversation going on in the commander community right now is, you know, power level matching. Like I go to a table when I'm playing competitive, casual, super competitive is the kid that I'm playing against playing with the pre-con, you know, there's a huge range and what are ways to kind of accomplish that? And I have my ideas. That's just like always going to be a struggle, but like do something about it, I guess is where you're at. We have a panel about it. (laughs) Uh, And uh, you know, at command, uh, command fest DC, uh, Olivia Guberhicks and creator of Commander Sheldon Menery. Sheldon Menery did a roundtable where people kind of, and there was other people. Uh, uh, what's someone from Wizards was there as well. Uh, did a roundtable with people nearby, just kind of talking about what they're like doing. An impromptu Commander. panel, correct? They like yeah, did yeah. an impromptu panel, but that would have been just a regular panel, right? So there's there's definitely an opportunity to do kind yeah, of that I mean, like activity. Would, like Sheldon has been going to a ton of events lately, and now with the with the invention of the. Um, what is it called? The RC rules? No, rules committee. Not the rules committee. Rules advisory committee. Something like that. The CAD? I don't know. Commander. What is advisory board group? CAG. Commander advisory group. I think so. Now with the commander advisory group, there's like a much wider range of people who are like involved at least Correct. in making decisions about the format. And so having those people on a panel there's enough of them that you can always get a few of them to do a Q&A, right? right? And and for Commander in particular. Now, for Modern, it's like a much smaller group, and they all live in Seattle. Not much smaller. It's like, you know, not small, I guess. There's a lot of Wizards R&D people, but they all are centralized in Seattle. So it's hard to get them to fly around the country to go to these things. Whereas sure. these content creators are content creators. They're going around having fun promoting their well, content because they love magic, and it's... You know, it's easier to get them to do q Well, I think panels just in general are much more possible because the wider content creation groups of Magic is much larger than it used to be, right? There was a while where basically you were a Wizards employee or a professional Magic player. And those were the main two promoted groups. Now you have YouTubers, Twitch streamers, professional Magic players, podcasters, both rivals. Podcasters, and, don't forget podcasters. Pod, podcasters, <laughs> YouTubers, cosplayers, uh you know, the commander committee people, fan artists, fan artists, yeah. artists in general. Like there's, that's a list of people that you could schedule multiple panels with. Yeah. Uh, like every YouTuber could have their own show. Almost. Um, Pretty much. And that I think is a huge resource to make something really exciting at magic fest and command zones. The benefit of the command zone or not command zones, uh, command fests. Um, the benefit of the command fests are 
that there is a little bit more time to do casuals things, right? One thing that this felt lacking was once I was done playing commander or if I was kind of getting bored with it, there wasn't an alternative. Um, and having panels or stuff like that to do would have made it more of a thing that like have a schedule around it or something that I needed to make it to, or just something I can like take a break from. Yeah. I mean like commander, I enjoy commander, but I do think that like for a three or four day event, like I would get bored of commander. I would want to play modern or I would want to draft or like, you know, I would want some other magic to kind of cleanse my palate a little bit because Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I'm pretty 50 50 on the like Timmy spike continuum. There's like Johnny throughout. Right. But like assuming that one is like casual wants to hang out with friends, competitive wants to achieve glory on the battlefield. I'm like right in between those two. Right. So I would, I would say I'm between Johnny and Timmy where I am there to hang out to show off. Sure. Sure. (laughs) But, but so that's where I'm at. And I like really enjoyed Vegas because I got there on Thursday, Thursday, Friday, I like played commander, hung out with content creator friends. And right as I was like starting to be like, eh, Saturday was the main event and I played Modern Horizons and it was great. Right. Modern Horizons sealed, made day two, drafted on Sunday. And then I went and played more commander afterward when I was like, ugh, I'm exhausted because I was like Mm -hmm. competitive, hardcore magic where I have to remember all my triggers and it's stressful. And I just get to like relax and hang out and like, you know, sling a hundred cards. Right. Yeah. And I liked being able to do both. And I think that like command fest appeals less to me than a magic fest with a command zone because I want that diversity of experience. Sure. I think that even if it was more expensive to get into a Magic Fest for some reason, I still think I would pay the premium to have access to more stuff to do. Right. Because that's the way I enjoy Magic. I know that like a lot of people tend to be more competitive or more casual, and one thing is going to appeal to them more than the other. But I think it's cool that like every Magic player can come together at a Magic Fest, and mm-hmm. there's something for them. Now, now, two things to that. One is. I'll go to this one first, and then I'll go to because there's a whole subject matter on drafting. <laughs> uh, I will say that more than any be- time before, I had more people come up to me saying this was their very first Magic event outside of an LGS. That this was the thing that they were like excited about because it was more designated towards the ty- type of Magic that they play. Even though Commandos exist and Magic Fest are doing their rebranding around making GPs more of a big festival-esque event there was a significantly larger group of people excited to come to this event because it was closed door or casually focused or commander focused um, than really ever, than generally they are. Um, sure. And, and it's not like they hadn't had an opportunity to go to a GP. It, this was the thing that they were excited about. Yeah. What's also interesting is that like Channel Fireball has all Magic Fests, right? But this, all these were run by other tournament organizers, right? Well, one was CFB, one was... I think pastime Chicago and then one that, was it makes sense. That's that's yeah, the region yeah. that pastimes operates in. Um, and then one Midwest. was SGG. And and so those like pastime is who does Gen Con. So they're the ones that run magic events at other conventions. And they used to run GPs. And they used to run GPs. And before. Star City used they to run GPs too. Yeah. One and of my favorite mats is from a Star City GP. Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. They made Disneyland <laughs> but magic and it was it's really good. Yeah, now I always use my Gen Con mat because it has special significance to me. But but Shiny my <laughs> favorite from the looks of a mat, that Orlando mat is my favorite. It's from an SCGGP. And it's funny because it's not Ultra Pro licensed and it's not like Magic Art licensed. It's like they made their own art and like put it on a mat and like had another company do it. So it's like different from all my other Magic Fest mats, which are mostly Channel Fireball ones. Right. Because I live on the West Coast. And even before Channel Fireball had all the GPs, 
they had all the West Coast GPs. Yep. <laughs> so the mats, oh, there were some Cascade games ones, right? Back yeah, in the but day? they they used to team up. Too. Yeah, yeah, it would yeah. be like Cascade and Channel Fireball. Like I have mats with both. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that's the, generally one thing that you know this appeals to a different demographic, and yeah. and I think that is worth the fact that this is a singular thing but they need to bring stuff in for people like you and i think that draft is maybe the best option and i agree and i I think think draft is always the best yeah 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 well you're also (laughs) a limited player but (laughs) but what and and gavin was talking about this during this thread and and uh you know I, i brought this up during the weekend there are now so many alternative draft formats that aren't Eldraine or whatever the standard draft is at that moment and or even Modern Horizons which is a very competitive drafting format that could be more of a focus it could be Chaos or Flashback or um, Mystery Booster is obviously the big one Conspiracy Battle Bond bond. you could even do like two-headed giant Eldraine or Mm -hmm. like eight-player multiplayer Eldraine where you like split into two pods of four and then the winners of the two top ends of each one yeah like if you want to make draft format that appeals to commander players you can do that in many different ways and mm-hmm. then like obviously uh game nights recently shed a light on commander cube they could have somebody bring a commander cube and do commander cube events like they did at at Magic vegas. Fest vegas they had uh andrea mangucci and LSB gabby sparks had one too they had multiple cubes of people that yeah, were yeah, yeah. They, had, they had multiple people that had but it was just pros who like brought their cube right. and you could pay kind of a lot of money to get a slot to like be in the the draft and i think there were prizes and stuff yeah. too but but like you could do that for magic with a commander cube right. and there's a commander focused draft set coming out later this year and if they're not doing those side events at command fest at that point I don't know what to tell you. Right, right. <laughs> and that's, I think, like, well, and you know, Bat, Jimmy, Josh. Not this year, 2020. It's not 2020 yet. I got ahead of myself. I think I said this year, but next year, yeah, 2020. Yeah. This year. There's a commander, <laughs> commander the draft set coming days. out, which is, you yeah. know. Um, well, or like, one of my favorite ways to play mad or draft was, and for a long time we were do this with the command zone guys, is take a box of conspiracy take one pack from the conspiracy pack or two packs from the conspiracy packs and then add two packs or one pack uh, from another set, right? Where you would do, you get the draft matters cards early and you can kind of even decide when you pick each pack. And then you get the like whatever format they're playing at that point. I think we did like modern masters. We did it with, or you do it with even cool. like a core set where it's like you kind of get both features and then you do a big multiplayer game. And it, it works. We would do four packs because multiplayer limited is harder in formats that allow any type of mill functionality because the games go so long that like honestly you should play with 50 cards <laughs> so having four packs like, allows you, can just you build a 50 card deck right i mean yeah yeah um so yeah so that that that's kind of another option it's just like coming up with different cool drafting limited environments to play at these events seems really exciting um the other other things that kind of were talked about so panels limited there was artists there and mm-hmm. so stuff like stuff that has happened at previous previous uh grand prix is like the artists do live drawings right where they yeah. do um i know tappy and olivia most of the cosplay friends that i have have done this where they'll pose and then in like costume. six in costume and then six artists will all and their magic artists will all draw them yeah, um, or and them. or paint them. Yeah. yeah. Um, and kind of do like on stage art while they're doing it. And that's always really cool and something to pay attention to. Um, I remember seeing on social media one time they did uh, like a panel 
where it Gavin was hosting it, I think, and then there was Steve Argyle, and they like designed like the audience helped design a card, and then the artist like made art for the card. Oh, sweet! You didn't, didn't hear about this? No, I didn't no, hear about that. It was they like it cool. was like sometime in the last year. <laughs> Got it? Yeah. So like you know, once you have artists and panels. And like, you know, significant magic personalities right. like Gavin all in the same place, you can start to combine some things. Yeah, right. And-, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then like you can also do like something that was at PTQs and more often I feel like I saw them at Grand Prix before kind of the consolidation around Channel Fireball was um, alterers, card alterers. Like this is the community for those people because you have so many people that love customizing their deck and yeah. like the, the main person who wants to customize their deck is a commander player and so having artists there that aren't necessarily magic artists but they're there to like paint on or draw on or take commissions from so, uh people that want like for instance i have a tithe that looks like luke walking into the sunset seeing the two sons from star wars because you can't get a foil tithe but it's top 10 cards in my geist commander deck that's all foil so like and that's probably on my top five favorite cards that I own. So like, yeah. So I guess my only question is like, if you're going to bring legitimate magic artists in altering is like a lot of what people want them to do. Do you think that having like fan artists coming in and alter people's cards undercuts the like, so in, in a world where the artists are treated more like special guests, which I think they should be right. right? Where they're like specially invited. They use their name to advertise the event, which they already do, even though they don't treat them that nice. Um, do you think that it kind of undercuts them to like bring in other people who are going to alter for cheaper because they're like not as well known of an artist? No, I don't think so. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, it's easy. I think, I think <laughs> because they're being supported, like I think that there is that's less of an issue. There are other things you get from artists, and there is also a uniqueness to getting a card altered. Like me getting Kess altered by Izzy is more valuable to me than me getting Kess altered by. A friend of mine that is that very makes good sense, at art. and you're willing to just pay the premium. Correct. Right? I mean, Correct. I guess it undercuts some artists who will like alter anybody's cards, but most of them will only touch their own cards Correct. anyway. So it's like that's something that's special that can't be replicated. So it doesn't really matter and if you have a rando it, do it. And signatures are a totally separate thing that I want on cards from alters. So there's, I think there's different incentives. Like I, I think that would be fine. I also think, and and Inkling Customs was kind of doing this at this event, was just having tables where people can draw and make their own tokens, and she was like working with them and drawing tokens for people and doing that kind of thing and she's d- yeah, done I that mean, I think, different events I think as well. fan artists getting like their own booth is a cool idea. It, it's tough for me to know where they should stand between vendor and artist because like obviously they're not going I mean maybe they are I don't know some fan artists have like kind of become popular enough maybe they are just like as much of a draw as a magic artist and they should be treated as such sure. or should they be more like a vendor where you come you hustle your own work like magic artists who are doing the art for the cards and whose names are like very obviously being used to advertise the event. I think they need to be treated like special guests. Yeah. Fan artists. It's, it's hard for me to say Maybe it's just a case by case basis, I yeah. guess. And I, th- I think that has more to do with follow like influencer following, yeah. right? Like yeah. if you were to sit someone who is a large followed magic altruist, like um, proxy guy who like, and he's doing that kind of stuff at an event. I think he is more of a, person to be invited versus or, or like club inkling customs but or versus like just a really good artist but doesn't do magic art is kind of just like a person who in that community makes a living maybe doing altars having a booth 
And either one works for me. And even doing workshops on how to do that. Like, that's another thing is like... That would be a great panel. I would love a panel on just like how to paint custom altars. Because I've tried. I have this one uh, quest for the Holy Relic. Okay. That I like tried painting each of the swords... Mm. on and it's ter- it's bad i still have it somewhere <laughs> you should put it in geist uh I, it was in geist for a while it lived there that's why i did it because i was like i'm gonna do this and it's a card i don't care about so i'll try and it's it 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 uh it's too thick the paint is globby oh so yeah i think having shuffle. the right materials yeah. is more important than it seems like it would be and also like something that requires kind of experience doing it mm-hmm and then way, obviously people, technique is a thing as well yeah. because painting on such a small thing is way different from painting on like a canvas or Correct. digitally or whatever, right? Well, and and you have more requirements, right? It has to be flat. It can't yeah. if you want to shuffle. I can see the merit to consolidating as many features into Magic Fest as possible because I kind of like going to these things and enjoying the full breadth that Magic mm-hmm. has to offer me. I like so at Magic Fest Vegas, I got a card signed by an alt- artist uh, which I regret because it's a card with a weird text box and the signature's right over the text box. I got, <laughs> I bought, I bought some foils from vendors. I participated in a battle bond side event. Mm-hmm. I uh, played in the main event, modern horizons day one and two. I played commander in the command zone. Mm-hmm. I participated in a panel. I watched another panel. I, you know, I like to be able to go and do all that stuff. And mm-hmm. something where I can do all that stuff is so much more appealing to me than breaking it off into like, here is just a GP and here is just a command fest and here is just a magic Vorthos art exhibit or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And so, but I also see the merits where there are people who a command fest sounds more inviting to them as a player and they're going to go to that. Even right. though they might have been able to have a similar experience at a magic fest, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. So, like it, it's tough for me and I, I mean maybe the solution is that like if other tos can step up and do this stuff right with with some support from wizards right. so like scg and pastimes are not allowed to run magic fests but they can run command fests and maybe if there were other special events that wizards was coming up with it didn't necessarily end in a pro tour invite mm-hmm. maybe those would be able to be given to other tournament organizers worldwide right Right. like if they were like anybody worldwide who wants to run one of these things hit us up and you can start having these in south america europe asia wherever Mm -hmm. right well and and like look at scg con right like scg is already doing that they've created their own convention that is about magic and and it doesn't give any pro tour invites but it's just and there's a competitive component to it as well pro tour invites now no so so they announced they they did announce earlier this year uh, that they would start giving pro tour invites to Star Top City NSG. Games and Bazaar de Bagda, um, and you know, with more potentially to follow, um, and then like DreamHack is running an arena tournament that I suspect will have some amount of big wizard support because sure. they love when like big existing tos outside of Magic promote their game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I'm thinking more on. I guess SCG Con is more what I'm thinking, right? Because like. There are already other tournament series that exist, right? Like Nerd Rage Games has their like Midwestern tournament series and Star City has their like opens that mm-hmm. feed the the invitationals, players championship, all that stuff. Um but like SCG Con is the closest thing to a Magic Fest that has ever existed outside of a Magic Fest, right? Yeah, excluding like Gen Con or like other big, which aren't Magic focused. No, they're not, not at all. I mean, I don't think that that's the same thing at all. It has many of the same aspects, but like... um, So I guess that kind of segues... 
But I think what Wizards could do is like support companies that want to make SCG cons, right? right? Like SCG was only able to do that because they have this huge, robust tournament series mm-hmm. that was supporting all of it. So they could like branch out and do something that like is a little bit more casual focused as well as like has competitive elements. Right. Well, I think, I think that's kind of what the Commander Fest model is right it's giving that an opening commander is the most played version of magic other than maybe like digital games because there are so many of those played in an hour versus that can be played in a number of players also it's just very convenient to sit down your computer and play right rather than traveling out driving hours to a magic fest which is what a lot of people do i mean i think flying to magic fest is like a very small sliver but driving two or three hours some people well, are willing even, to do it and some people aren't. Even right? casual stores, like <laughs> more commanders being played by people than standard or yeah, modern yeah, or sure. limited, even. And so standard um, is iffy, though, right? I mean, with arena, right, like excluding, think, excluding digital content in, in, on paper. In paper. Yes. Uh, in Agreed paper. in paper. Um, and that means that there's a willingness to have these type of events and making those events a little bit more appealing for people that don't want to play commander. So having for those limited people cool, wacky, limited stuff, like. Ben would go to every single one of these if there was like a focus on chaos drafting, right? Like he chaos draft fest, chaos draft fest. Well, but like I don't think that needs to be a thing. But, but I think command I mean, fest like, having that attachment is fine. So you were saying that like a lot of people, this was their first fest they'd ever been sure. to, and there's a reason why they didn't go to Magic Fest. And I'm guessing it's because they thought it was more competitive focused. But no matter what you put at a command fest, people are going to. Th- because of the branding, people are going to be like, oh, well, that's for commander players, right? Sure. So even if you love Chaos Drafts and you can go and just play, you know, three continuous days of Chaos Draft and have a great time, you're, it's like the way that it's branded, right? And that's the reason that I like the branding of Magic Fest. And I don't think it's there yet, right? Because people still think of Magic Fest as GPs. But I think that something like SCG Con really, like, it says what it is, right? Mm-hmm. It's a convention for for all of magic, right? I mean, I guess Magic Con would be better, but Magic Fest is doing that, right? Sure. Magic Fest, the branding is ostensibly that all of magic is here and it's a celebration of all of it. And I think that they've now started to achieve that, especially with the command zone mm-hmm. and panels and everything else that they've started doing recently. Um, and I just, I want more of that. And I don't I, want Magic Fests to primarily be GPs. I want them to be Magic Conventions. Well, so that's a whole other conversation, right? And that was kind of where I wanted to segue to is, what is the future of Magic Fests? Where you, you mentioned at the beginning of the, the, the cast, and I think it was post the music, music, music. Uh, Magic Fest Oklahoma City was the lowest attended GP yeah, like I, 10 years. I heard that only 62 people made day two. And, and it so pays, out to, pay, pay out to 64. <laughs> yeah, there are like people who didn't make day two who are like entitled to prize money, which is like really not where you want to be at, right? right? I mean, right. usually you want like hundreds of people making day two and you have to fight for your cash, right? <laughs> and and so... And that also is, is, you know, two weeks before Christmas and Portland is going to be the week before Christmas this weekend. So like... There's that, right? Like a lot of people already have money tied up in travel or buying gifts or whatever. And so it's just not a great time to be running a Magic Fest. So I don't know if Oklahoma City or even Portland reflects on like 2020 worth of Magic Fest. Correct. And and I think think there's different layers, right? Standard has been (coughs) tumultuous this year, just in general. Uh, I think that means fewer people with paper 
standard decks that standard exist decks because it, yeah. their deck got banned or they never wanted to play because it seemed crappy and they never picked it back up because that's the thing is like you build a standard deck when a when a set comes out right most of the time unless you're competitive and you want to keep up with the meta you're like oh Eldrain came out feasting troll king looks dope i'm gonna build a feasting troll king right deck. and that's basically what you did online rather than in paper yeah yeah but like people who want to play paper that's what they would do mm-hmm. and then they're like oh standard sucks i'm gonna sell my cards right. they're not gonna buy them again once oko gets banned they're gonna wait yeah they're just gonna <laughs> wait till the next set because then they'll buy new cards and and so and, and we are in a little bit of a lame duck standard, right? Literally, cards are previewing from Theros, Theros Beyond yeah. Death. And there's a whole conversation about that that we'll be having next week um, with our preview card. Technically, in two weeks, we're not having an episode next week. Yes, because Tuesday, the day we usually stream, is Christmas Eve. Yes, I'll be cooking a brisket. So what day are we doing the preview card episode? Monday. Monday. Yeah, so the 29th? Different than our normally the scheduled. the 30th. The 30th. So, so, announcement, our preview card is on the 30th it'll happen at noon <laughs> nice uh we might do it a little bit earlier at 11 we'll keep people posted pay attention to twitter but i will be I, on an airplane i would be paying attention at 11 a.m on monday getting ready for our preview card we're excited um back to kind of command magic fests with scg feeding into the mpl or feeding into Mythic players, Champions, tours. players tours mm-hmm. feeding in the players tours keeping all these things straight uh and with ptqs being back and with magic fest becoming more convention focused and less um kind of regional large tournament focused should there be as many of them should they should they reduce the number of them focusing more on high quality larger ones than quantity and yeah I think that's tough. Sure. So, like, for one thing, like, they're already cutting them in, like, a lot of underserved areas. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, like, one Magic Fest scheduled or something in South America next year, which is, like, egregious based on the number of Magic players there. And, And like, the Asia-Pacific region, region, like, uh, yeah, Asia and and Australia and the Philippines and all that area. Yeah. those are like super underserved based on the number of players that are there for GPs next year. Not as bad as Latin America, but so like if you cut magic fests, you are like, I would want to see some restored to those places. Right. And that's the other thing is like a lot of people are willing to drive to these things, but not fly. Mm-hmm. So like if you get an Oklahoma city every couple of years, that's great. If you live in like that area, right. Sure. Like Oklahoma, Texas, um, Mississippi type area like you can just drive to Oklahoma and go to your GP but if you only focus them in like major US cities Oklahoma is nowhere near Mississippi but keep going what's the one Arkansas that's Arkansas Ar- I forgot Arkansas existed uh that's weird well I just forgot where it was it's like Alabama Arkansas I mean, I, Tennessee I and Mississippi in are, Arkansas and like Louisiana are like the whatever the deep you know south. what I'm talking about right like Oklahoma's that like area. north but like if you're if you're in that area right and like you only are like going to a magic fest if sure. you want to drive like five hours to Dallas but there's one every year it's like oh that kind of is maybe not right. well so some, that's, something that's that some the, people brought up is also one of the reasons Oklahoma City was such a low attendance is Oklahoma City is not a hub right uh airport like right. it is hard to get to Oklahoma City and they jack up the prices literally starting last weekend when it's holiday season so people are flying back for the holidays so your ticket goes from if you plan it correctly, yeah. $250 to 
$800. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I think having, like, the competitive scene super tied to, like, these weird small tournaments in Oklahoma City is not the way to go. But should there be a magic convention in Oklahoma City maybe every couple years? I think that's yeah, fine. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, like, if if the TO, and it, you know, it doesn't have to be Channel Fireball because I think that we're talking about more casual focused events in this episode mm-hmm. where we're branching out from Channel Fireball. But whoever the TO is for whatever this Magic Con in, in whatever we call it, Magic Fest, SCG Con, whatever, is if your expectations are what they are for Oklahoma City, then you can just, you know, staff it a little lower and have realistic expectations and have like a fun little event, right? right. And it it doesn't have to be like a huge blowout every time. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't know the best, like how these resources get allocated for these conventions, but I don't know that fewer is better. I just think it's like a refocusing away from competitive play mm-hmm. because like competitive play, a lot of the time in Saffron, all about a great article on about this, this weekend or this week where he was talking about like the focus of competitive magic is now on digital and esports, And like, if you look at kind of, the ways to qualify like there's a lot more mm-hmm. of them focused on on digital play sure and standard in particular is focused on digital play and standard is like low attendance in paper and like there's not a lot of standard events right it, it, my standard play i mean not that i played a lot of standard before arena <laughs> existed but uh in fact i've played more standard since arena existed but um every almost every single dollar i've spent on a standard card is on arena yeah, like I put so, all my. It's it, it's the same incentives to put it there versus in paper, and I'm gonna play it more. So I think it means like you want to refocus paper around the strengths that paper can offer, and that's and this is what Safranov said in his article, and that's the gathering, right? Right. It's like you can play magic on your computer, but you can't have the gathering. And, so and, and in defense of that, I had one of the greatest times this weekend. Yeah. Of my of the year. Yeah. And I went to Africa this year. <laughs> like, and that was because hanging out with people in real life at a paper event is not replaceable by a digital content experience. Yeah. So I think that you just want to kind of refocus paper events on like not necessarily exclusively casual play, but like not every paper event needs to be centered around a competitive tournament. Sure. And this command fest is proof of that. But I think that like maybe we need less GPs but the same number or more Magic Fests is yeah. what I'm saying, yeah. right? Like Magic Fest doesn't need to have a GP at it, in my opinion. Sure. And I think that there should be more Magic Fest or Magic Fest type events. And there can be competitive play there for cash prizes. Right. And there can even be, but like once you get like the Pro Tour invites and Pro Points and all that type of stuff, like it changes the focus of the event mm-hmm. to that. And and I mean, you know, we're a modern podcast talking about the strengths of paper. Modern is one of those strengths, right? Modern, pioneer, legacy. No one's ever going to play a vintage GP. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's pretty consistent that the legacy, the I think the last GP that was legacy was Bologna, which I'm never going to say correctly. I think that was correct. Yeah, cool. I got it right, everybody. Uh, and it had huge attendance numbers. They like, they like sold out times two. And so like, the when GPs are paper focused events that you can't really get from arena or they're unique ones like modern events. If you look at like the the event attendance on modern events versus standard ones are always significantly higher. But that's partially because that's the main way you get to play it. Right. That's the main way you could qualify for a PT 
in modern is by paying paper. And so leaning into commander, leaning into modern, leaning into, you know, limited is I think a really smart way to capitalize on live events. Right. And I think that like, if you want to, especially with arena, if you want to, if you're a standard player and you want to qualify for larger tournaments and become a pro player, or, you know, just you are a more competitive focused player who's just having a good time, whatever your goal is, you're, probably just going to be doing it on arena right like right. that's the easiest way to qualify for stuff playing standard yeah but if you are a modern player or a commander player and you just you know i guess if you're a modern player or a pioneer player and you want to qualify you have to play paper and so that is one place to focus magic fests and mm-hmm. particularly gps but i think another place is all the casuals right yeah. all the commander players all the people who just want to get their cards altered and play 60 card casual or whatever or they play standard but they have like a rat tribal deck you know or whatever it is right like Focusing events on those people and on Modern Pioneer Legacy, I right. think, is like should be where Magic Fest look in the future. Yeah, I agree. And Command Fest is a step in the right direction, but again, I think that like I think having it so a- so focused makes it. I mean, maybe it's selfish and it appeals less to me personally, and that's not the case. But but it, I, I think if there was a if there was a Command Fest in Los Angeles or even like Los Angeles adjacent things like San Diego. Yeah, of course um, I would go because you would I could go. drive. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking more about like, well, I'd probably still go to Vegas. I don't know. I guess I never fly to GPs anyway, so it's not a big deal. Right. Like, yeah, well, how many GPs are you flying to? <laughs> I guess I would still go, but I would want there to be a little more to it. And I, I feel like, for instance, that if there was a Command Fest in San Francisco, which is a place that I wouldn't go to a GP for and have not like Santa Clarita, which you have gone, I guess, because you've driven. I've been to Oakland what's, and Santa what's, Clara. What's the closest and... thing you've not gone to? Dallas? Uh, Texas? No, I mean, I haven't been to various Phoenixes. Wait. Closest place that I've never been to for a GP that runs GPs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, wh- where's a place that, if it was close, Denver, maybe, like, what's, LA's, West Coast I've been to a GP in like Denver. Six cities. Six cities. <laughs> I've been to a GP in Denver, Albuquerque, Phoenix. I drove to all of them. I didn't drive to Denver. So what's, what's the farthest <laughs> you would fly to go to a command fest? I don't know. I, I don't Seattle? fly. I never fly. I guess to you, GPs. you didn't go to Seattle, but you maybe wouldn't have gone. You don't fly to GPs. You just have to drive. I just never fly to GPs. I did actually really want to go to Seattle because I have friends there. But Yeah. So, see? If it was a well-timed moment. Uh, I, I, I'm think not saying that, I wouldn't go to a command fest. Yeah. It's just not what I would prefer. I mean, okay, so what if there was like a modern fest? Like command fest only works because commander is the most popular format. Like I think modern fest would be, as much as I like modern and this podcast about modern, I think it would not be successful. I agree. I agree. I think that you we would kind go. of want that we diversity. Would be oh, yeah, I would place. go. Well, I would, I would enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But again, I think I would enjoy it more if there were side events where I could draft, where I could like play the modern Correct. main event and then like take a break and get some Eldrain and then play a game of Commander and hop back right. into a modern side event. You know, like and we'd play, and everyone would end up just playing Commander at some extent at that event. Not everyone, but like Commander would be played at that event regardless. That's like the one thing that's true of all of these things. And what was ridiculous about not having command zones was. Commander is the casual way people play. And so when you're between events, you play Commander, right? Yeah. Or many players play Commander. And it's it's kind of the great... Well, it's not... Yeah, I mean, it takes a long time is Correct. the one reason that it's maybe not the best. But you scrub out another event schedule. or yeah. you... Yeah, you... Because, you know, sometimes part of Magic the Gathering is hanging out with people. I just think playing the same format, like, over and over and over and over, I just get... I need to reset. Which And, and I think that is true of most people. Like, that was definitely, like... 
we would leave the the event was from 10 a.m to 9 p.m we would leave at five and then not come back we go get dinner and then go hang out and if there was more of a variety of things to do i would have been more willing to order food into the convention hall and then just kind of do other things but you know and i remember that in in vegas we kind of did do that where we like went to go get food we like played commander or whatever on friday and then we like went to go get food and then we came back and like watched the live paint and then we like yeah or something like that right Uh, yeah and and we like did stuff and then we went to the commander party yeah yeah, right um and and that's something that i think they can can definitely do a better job i guess that's one other comment Uh, the the vip party events need to get more of an identity in general this one was definitely weird like it's meant to be i think what you were talking about of like a place to meet content creators but the event was like the content creators hung out in one section and then people played commander games friends, on tables. Right? Like all you friends, go right? to GPs together all the time and like So it needs to, I think there just needs to be a little bit more of an idea. And and Vegas did a really good job, right? Because it was kind of the release event for When well, they did a commander panel products. at the Commander Party yeah. too. They did a panel at the Commander Party that had Jimmy, I think Glenn, Jimmy and Josh, Glenn Gavin. Maybe. I don't know. I mean there were tons of people there, but yeah, yeah I mean and, and, so, and so they did, they gave, they added a little value to the VIP party. Right. It was especially in Command Fest and at Command Zones, all, a lot of the content creators you like are there and you can just talk to them. I mean, right. the one thing that you can do with a VIP party is you can, f- well, even then, I mean, you can, depending on the timing, you can feature pro players a little bit more because they're harder to interact with, right? Sure. Because pro players are in the event playing, right? So like if you really want to meet Reed Duke or whatever, it's like he's playing. Right. Don't don't bother and, him, and right? If, but yeah. if he could do a panel Friday night beforehand, then that would be cool, like a cool way to kind of hang with Reed Duke a little bit, do a Q&A, and then he goes and plays in the event tomorrow and you don't right. have to, you know. And I think I think from a res- that that maybe was the the weirder thing on this one is that so much of the entire event was just hanging out with content creators that the VIP party didn't feel like anything different from that other right. than like some people got dressed up <laughs> and there was beer. Uh, <laughs> so I think that, but I, I, I'm interested to see where all of this kind of convention kind of space goes. I've been on the train for five years now that Jeep, if not longer, basically since Magic, GP Vegas won, that GP should be more conventions than anything else. And that the more they lean into that, the better. And I think that they, Wizards is doing that and it's really kind of exciting and is the one big hope I have for kind of paper magic and the decisions they're making in that process. I do think I, the one thing I miss from all of this is that there's not as much coverage for these events. And I think that especially if you're doing panels and if you're going to look at that live streaming, those panels is a thing you should just do. Yeah. I mean, I think that again, a lot of magic events are framed as a tournament that has things attached to it. And I think if you frame them in your mind as a convention, you think about what other conventions do, right? Like if you think of not, not even like San Diego comic con or anything, right. But even smaller comic cons, stream their panels right. on on Twitch or YouTube or fact, the smaller the, website. The smaller the co- convention, the more likely they are to stream it. Because like at Comic-Con, some of it's like it's exclusive well, that, to get the holiday. That's what I mean is yeah. like uh, Comic-Con is like such a different beast that right. I'm not even going there, right? But like if you think about, you know, Gen Con, which is still bigger than any Magic Fest, but like they're streaming all their panels or like um, smaller Comic Cons are streaming all their panels a lot of the time. Like just, just do that, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And like, Cover like event coverage is often focused on tournaments, and I think that's good because like tournaments are more fun to watch than just like casual commander for the yep. most part. But yeah, you can like you can stream the panels 
and it doesn't have to be crazy high quality with commentators or anything. Like it can just be what we have here and you could stream a panel, right? I mean, Oh, from like a, like a quality perspective. Yeah. You could very quickly just have a camera that plugs into OBS and then live stream it. And like, they are already doing the work for the panel, right? At the panel that like not even that much more effort other than an internet connection that I don't know what the right. And if wizards thinks it's too low quality to put on their Twitch stream, fine, put it on CFBs, put it on pastimes, put it on whoever's right. I mean, like it's cool. People will watch it and it'll like, give you like a sense that you're there and and it, but i do and think one of the also, best things about magic over the last couple of years is that content creation is expanding past just gameplay right yeah. you have stuff or past just like tournament play where you have stuff like game nights or you have stuff like rhystic studies where he's doing essays or spice eight racks essays or the debate shows on tolarian community college uh or tolarian academy <laughs> uh tolarian community college yeah, yeah, I was right the first time. I'm so Academy is the card. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. gameplay. Can't talk about that. <laughs> uh, you have cosplayers. You have us <laughs> just talking at to the, into the void. We talk um, about gameplay most of the time, to be fair. Yeah, but we're not playing games. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so I, I think um, for a long time, all of what would be showing up on a Channel Fireball stream or most of it is gameplay, right? But I don't want to get it twisted. I think that we could stream more gameplay as well. I mean, Correct. SCG is doing great at all of their events, and there's just no GP coverage. And I think one of the things about GPs that people think is really cool that's like undervalued is like you go to a GP, if you do really well, you're going to win 200 bucks or whatever. That's cool, I yeah. guess. But like you might be undefeated. You might get in a feature match. You might like... Yeah. You know, your friends can watch you. Like I, when I worked at a shop, we had like a good number of players who were going out to GPs and traveling and like starting to see some success. And we would turn on and watch every GP hoping that they would show up on the screen. And when they showed up on the screen, everybody playing in our like Sunday modern event would be super hyped, right? Like it was an experience that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Um, I, I think that there's, there's also like, that's, that's a loss. For instance, pretty much, the only reason I would play in a modern GP is the potential to show up on camera, right? Like that's, that's really the value to me. I don't have a chance of winning likely, <laughs> but, and, and the original reason I used to want to play in them is for that opportunity, right? It's, it's, I come up with a cool deck idea. Can I get a, a, a deck tech where someone interviews me? Can I get onto the camera stream um, in a feature match? And the best experiences watching gps for me this year was when ben got on camera right yeah. was being getting a chance to watch ben both times against elves <laughs> uh play a deck and see the chat kind of both ragging on him for mistakes he made and also cheering him on and like i pay more attention to that than like any sporting event i've ever paid attention yeah, to in my life. that's a really cool experience and it doesn't draw widespread viewership when like Ben is on camera. I mean, obviously the podcast has a following, but it's just cool to see your friends or like people that you feel an affinity sure. with on camera. Right. Well, and, 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 and if Ben's a bad example, cause they do think actually Ben being on camera, what does drive viewership? Like but our like, friend, Michael Hughes, correct. right. When he top eight at a GP, we got to like watch him playing in the top eight and that was awesome. And like, you can't, you know, that, that that doesn't exist as much. Anymore. That's not something really that sad. you see in the metrics mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, well, people are attending because they might be on camera and their friends can watch them or people are watching because they want to see their friend who's doing well. Like that's so nebulous. You can't quantify it, but it's like a real part of GPs, right? right. Just being an open tournament with video coverage. Oh, and, and, and like there's a lot of comments on also demographic issues, right? Where like, especially for a while, the MPL was all guys. Yeah. And, um, 
not having tournament coverage at GPs where a lot of the ability to be on camera or be featured is more merit-based or at least more likely to feature non-MPL members. And that means there's a chance for women to be featured or or non-binary people I think a lot of women were inspired to like become more competitive because they saw women in feature matches like killing it like you know xo at a draft gp yeah. on day two and they're like wow this is amazing right and and so like by removing that feature you're now losing some of that strength and i, I think that that's as much as i love the magic fests part of what's happening i am sad that the coverage of paper magic has taken that back seat and i would want someone like SEG or channel and SEG does this right. That's one of the reasons I like that SEG got Command Fest and that I like what they're doing with their circuit is and that SEGCon. I think SEGCon's a great yeah. idea, and I would like to go to one, except that it's really far away. Big thank you to everyone on the live chat. If you are watching on YouTube, before you leave, hit the like button. That like button is so important. There's like a thumbs up. Don't hit the thumbs down. Hit the thumbs up. After that, uh, make sure to subscribe if you're not subscribed on Twitch. Please follow. Obviously, we can't do subscribers yet, but if you want to go to Kess. Uh, my channel, twitch.tv slash Kesko. You can get a soup emoji if you become a subscriber. This is your chance. Baby Yoda drinking it's baby soup. Yoda. Baby Yoda, I think, Sorry. is significantly more important than, than the soup. soup. I'm telling people you said that. <laughs> you don't slander me in my, in my soup in fandom. In fact, if I'm going to go to Twitch right now and throw some baby, baby, uh, soup, baby Yoda soup emojis all over the place. Man, you know, let us know what you think. I would love to hear other people's ideas for the future of paper play, um, because I don't think that I have it figured out. You know, like I kind of have ideas about what I think would be cool. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know where paper play is going to go. And but I think that if it stays the same, that's not good. I think that it can be a lot better. So yeah. Um, final shout outs. Uh, Patreon's really important. Thank you guys for all the people that support our Patreon. Um, we really couldn't do it without you guys. Uh, there is cool tiers. You get the raw feed. You'll get all of this content, uh, there. Uh, like all the unedited version of this video, you get the ability to get our lifelinker code. Uh, you get shout outs, you get, uh, free stuff if you're donating $30 a month, which is the top tier. We'll, and- uh, we'll take a look at a deck. Yeah, and on stream, you guys may have seen us do that. Uh, well, yeah, if you send us a deck list, we'll take a look and give our critiques and do yeah. a little deck tech. Any any ten dollar vendor gets, any ten dollar patron gets a, a a deck tech live on camera during the live stream and is often in the episode because we generally don't let free content disappear. <laughs> um, also, make sure to tune in every Monday for hot takes. Make sure to tune in every Tuesday for the live stream. Make sure to t- tune in Wednesday if you have an iTunes account and want to listen to this audio only. And Thursday for the main edited video with card art and high quality editing. Uh, thank you to Marshall James who does all of that editing. Thank you, Michael, for joining us on the cast as always. Uh, and thank you, Anytime. Ben Bateman, for ditching us for star wars (laughs) what a nerd uh and uh thank you everyone at command fest dc you guys are amazing we had such a great time um and uh if gavin is watching this we all really need a yeti um commander It's, it's about time what am i gonna do with all these yetis bye guys This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.